Over 200,000 of the homeless people in the United States of America are women and girls. The most needed and understocked item in homeless shelters, feminine hygiene products. Joy Road Media is proud to tell you about the Clean Love Project. The Clean Love Project's mission is to help women and young girls feel clean, loved, and empowered by distributing clean love kits to alleviate their hygiene needs. Go to thecleanloveproject.org to find out how you can help. The Clean Love Project focuses on the Metro Detroit area, but it also distributes kits worldwide. If you are a female in need of a clean love kit, go to thecleanloveproject.org and request one today. Joy Road Media is a proud supporter of the Clean Love Project at thecleanloveproject.org. Hey everybody, welcome to the Are You Listening podcast, where two friends sit down, uh, talk about a record that one has loved for a while and the other is listening to for the first time. My name's Scott. I'm here with my friend Brand. How is it going, my friend? Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I have no idea when anybody's listening to this, but I I have to point out that you said that one of us has loved because you are really into this record, and it's not always a love situation sometimes on this on this podcast, but this one, you had to put love in there. You needed to just shoehorn that in there. Yeah, uh, this is one that I grew up with like in my adolescence, like I, I did love this record listening to it this week though, over and over and over again, it, I can see where it might be a, a little dated and stale. <laughs> I, I, we actually, you need to post the picture of you wearing the silver chair shirt. Oh when man. We, when we upload it, when this episode goes live, because that it needs picture. to be up there. It needs to be out there. Picture. Uh, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'm just, I just gotta lay it out there. If you don't, I will have to respond to the link on the Twitter with the picture either way. So whether you post it or I post it, it's getting posted. (laughs) Okay. Well, uh, look forward to that, listeners. It should be out now, out there in the ether, on the internet to live forever. A picture of my 14-year-old self in a silver chair shirt with an interesting hairdo. All you needed was like a, a red flannel tied around your waist, and it would have been perfect. Uh, it might have been. It is a picture of me sitting, so... It's <laughs> <laughs> just cropped out. It actually <laughs> might have been. I don't know. Uh, but yes, listeners, uh, this week we are talking about Silverchair's debut album, Frog Stomp. I got some notes about Silverchair, and we'll get into that, and then we'll get into our regular what else was released at the time, and then we'll get into your notes about the record after hearing it. Silverchair were an Australian rock band that formed in 1992 as Innocent Criminals. The band consisted Holy of... shit. No. Whoa. You're not serious. You're not serious that they formed as in- Innocent Criminals. Yeah. That was the band... That was the band name 
of a band that me and two high school friends this we said we were gonna form it like we call start calling ourselves the innocent criminals and everything never played an instrument never had a practice <laughs> but there was also one situation where one of us didn't know how to spell criminals and it was innocent criminals <laughs> oh no i mean we had to be 12 like we, we yeah. were probably 12 doing this sure and that is insane that is insane that this band was called Innocent Criminals, and we were... And by the way, I guess I, I, this is why we were the Innocent Criminals, because yeah. my dad's band, and my dad actually played a lot of like local bars, a lot of shows around the areas. Mm. His band name was The Suspects. Oh, okay. So it was like a play off that, oh, like, oh no, it, yeah. we're the Innocent Criminals, you know, we might be suspects, but we're, we're the Innocent Criminals. And then right. two other friends that... One of them may still never have played an instrument. The other one, at least I know, played guitar. <laughs> but we were like, yeah, we're the band. And it was there were three of us. We thought we were Blink-182. And it was, it was incredible. But that That's is hilarious. crazy that Silverchair was known as Innocent Criminals. Yeah, wow. and they were 12 when they came up with that band name. I guess it's the, that's the it's peak of 12-year-old creativity. Is what that's, that is. that's so funny. The band consisted of Ben Gillies on drums, Daniel Johns on vocals and guitar, and Chris Joannan on bass guitar. The group got their big break in mid-1994 when they won a national demo competition conducted by SBS TV show Nomad and ABC radio station Triple J. The band was signed by Murmur Records and were successful in Australia and internationally. Silverchair have sold over 10 million albums worldwide. I didn't know it was only three guys either, if I'm being honest. It was those three guys the entire career of the band. This album has a lot of sounds on it that sound a lot fuller than just three guys. Yeah. Good for them. Good for them. They're they're good, man. They're solid. I'm running through all my notes in my head now thinking about if three guys changes anything. I think the fact that they were called Innocent Criminals changes everything for you. Oh, it's a throne. Let's shut it down. <laughs> done. Done and done. <laughs> Five minutes in and out. Uh, Silver Chair have won more ARIA Awards, Australian Recording Industry Association Music Awards, than any other artist in history, earning 21 wins from 49 nominations. They also received six APRA which is the Australian Performing Right Association Awards uh, in 2008. All five of their studio albums debuted at number one on the ARIA albums chart. All Every album. All five. Yeah, every one of their albums has debuted at number one. So, so far, I've learned that their original name is Innocent Criminals. Yep. There's only three guys, which I didn't expect. And yeah. they're Australian, which I did not see coming either. So I'm through, I'm, you I'm over three. I'm over three on all these. Wow. Like you couldn't tell from their, from the vocals. I think we'll get to that. Okay. And I think that may, that, that part may change some things that they're Australian. That oh, part gotcha. may change some things. Cause there may be parts of me that thought the Australian accent may yeah. have been a, a vocal styling. <laughs> oh, gotcha. Well, I mean, it was because it was an accent. We'll get there in the notes. Continue. Yeah, we'll sure. Silverchair's alternative rock sound evolved throughout their career, with differing styles on specific albums growing more ambitious over the years. From grunge on their debut to more recent work displaying orchestral and art rock influences, the songwriting and singing of Johns had evolved steadily while the band had developed an increased element of complexity. 
Now, I don't know if I said it when I gave you this album, but this is the one band that I could give you three different albums from because they're so wildly different. You said they're just vastly different genres even. They really are. It's it's wild. Like this album and their next record were pretty similar. But then you get into Diorama, which uh got kind of more easy listening. And then they had their latest one, the one that they came out with, two thousand seven ish, I think, was way out there. It was very art rock. I know a few bands like that. Like the change there. I mean, obviously, we've talked about them before. King Gizzard and Lizard Wizard do it oh, consistently. Yeah, also Australian, I think. Wow. Okay. Um, Foxy Shazam does that, but okay. we haven't ventured down that road yet. Nope. The Alan Parsons Project kind of did that, but that was in like the 70s and 80s, and that was mostly production, so I don't know if you count that. I, I was going to say, I think... They're an older band. Like I don't think I've ever listened to Alan Parsons Project. Well, I know they're on the list. I was I was going over the list this morning to try to figure oh, out what really? I was going to give you. That's why they gotcha. were in my head. Neon Ballroom was the record I was thinking for Silverchair when I said Diorama, but those two were all were orchestral and like more. I don't want to say easy listening, but like regular rock radio kind of. And then Young Modern is the name of their 2007 album that really went artsy, but still good. I really, I really liked it. I've evolved with them throughout time. So I found their whole discography. Diorama goes on a bit long. Okay. For (laughs) you, that's saying something. Yeah. Well, I I don't know that the actual length is an issue, but they kind of lost me on that one. Like Neon Ballroom was cool. It came out, I think, in 99 or 2000 because they had Anthem for the year 2000, which was the year I graduated. So it, it kind of hit home, you know, with that. And then that was when everybody learned about Daniel John's anorexia, that that whole thing was a big deal. You know, it, 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 it was at that age where everybody had like <laughs> body issues and self-esteem issues and that just kind of, I was 17, 18. It, it, it fed into what I was living. Luckily, that's all has been solved and nobody has body issues nowadays. You know? Luckily, we took care of that. When, it, when everybody was aware of it, luckily, we really buckled down, took care of it. Professionals jumped in. Just like we do with everything, like especially depression off of Frog Stomp. That's eradicated, right? <laughs> yeah, done. Taken care of. <laughs> Depression's over. Body issues are over. Yeah. Um, we got violence under control. That's taken well, care say, of. War. War is an issue. That Alcoholism's is done. done. Um, yeah. Drug addiction's taken care of. Especially yeah. the opioid crisis. We really cracked down on the opioid crisis. We took care of that real easy. Totally did. Uh, what else we got? Oh, human trafficking. That's out the window. We got that taken care of. <laughs> we're, we're a utopia now. Yeah, we're it's great. It's we're, real good. We're living in Nirvana. Silverchair's debut album, Frog Stomp, was recorded in nine days with production by Kevin Shirley, who worked with such bands as Journey, Iron Maiden, Rush, Dream Theater, Him, and Mr. Big. I know three of those very well. I know the names of the other two, and then one of them I don't really care for. Oh, who's the one you don't care for? 
I don't really like him. At Me all. neither. Me neither. Can't stand it. And I'm familiar with Dream Theater, but I could not pull one song. You could play you could play me three Dream Theater songs, and I wouldn't be able to tell you tell you which one's a Dream Theater song. Me neither. Isn't that Mike Portnoy? Isn't he the drummer? I, that sounds right. Yeah, sounds he's right. he's insane. And I don't know anything about Mr. Big other than the name. They were a big easy rock band in the '90s, I believe. Yeah, I got I got nothing. I'm sure they had a hit that I know, but the, yeah, "Be with You." I feel like is the name of that. All I wanna do is be with you every time. I have no recognition for any of what you're doing. I think that's how it, I might have the lyrics wrong, but that's the melody of it, at least. <laughs> okay, great. I'm glad you got. I'm glad you nailed the melody down. Waited all my life. Uh, waited all my life. You know what? I'm back in. Yeah, just to be the next to be with you. That's how it goes. There it is. It sounds like a bo- it sounds like a boy band, and I'm in. Pull that out of my ass. Like, I haven't really heard it in like 20 years. It sounds to me like you need to be listening to like Backstreet Boys if you're loving that track. Oh, I I didn't say I loved it. I said I pulled it out of my ass. If it's that deep ingrained in your brain. <laughs> You love it. <laughs> oh, at the time of recording, the band members were 15 years old and still attending high school. Frogstomp's lyrical concepts were fiction-based, drawing inspiration from television, hometown tragedies, and perceptions of the pain of friends. I thought that was a wild line. Perceptions of the pain of friends. I'm more stuck on the, you're telling me this record was written and recorded when they were 15? Yeah, in nine days. The the record in we listened days. to all week was yes, sir. 15-year-olds. How wild is that? Does that change anything for you? I don't, I don't I know mean, what to say. I'm, I'm, I'm just rarely speechless. I'm rarely speechless. Yeah. And I am at a loss for words over that. That's wild. Yeah, I'm just assuming what your reaction to this record is by saying, does it change anything? But they were 15 when they recorded it. I imagine they were 13, 14 when they wrote these songs. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm not thinking of the writing as much. I was thinking more along the lines of the performing. And I mean, I guess they did have a producer, but still, you have to be. Yeah, that's crazy. 15. It may change some things. We'll talk about it when we get there. Right. Good or bad. Who knows if it changed things, good or bad. <laughs> sure, I'm sure, yeah. Released on March 27th, 1995, the album was well-received and was a number one album in Australia and New Zealand. It reached number nine on the Billboard 200, making Silverchair the first Australian band to reach the top ten since In Excess reached number three with Kick in 1987. I've never listened to In Excess. I listened to Kick, but... It's not ingrained in me enough to give it to you ever. There's a few bands like that. Like I think of NXS and the Strokes and kind of the same thought. And is that is that wrong? That yeah, that seems wrong. NXS. Well, I've never were... never listened to either of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so that's just, they're both in my head in the same area. The Strokes aren't they like a indie garage band type thing in the 2000s? Yeah, I think so. And NXS were like. I don't want to say they're not new wave, but they were big in eighties in the eighties. Yeah. Like late stage new wave almost. Yeah. 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 Maybe this is two guys talking about NXS who have no fucking clue what they're talking about. I was five when that record hit number three. So (laughs) I, I know very little about what about NXS. 
I know nothing. I know the name. There was a VH1 show where they like it was like a reunion or something, or they were looking for a new well, frontman, looking for the new singer. Yeah, that's all. That's as familiar as I am with NXS. Yeah, Frogstop was certified as a U.S. double platinum album, a triple platinum in Canada, and six times platinum in Australia. It's a lot of records. It's <laughs> a, a lot, lot of records. Of records. A lot. In 2015, James Rose of the Daily Review wrote of the album. As an album, in its own right, it's pretty good. As a debut by three 15-year-olds, it's about as good as it gets. There are still kids out there today listening to Frog Stomp and shitting themselves, and so they should. So when you listened to this the first time, when you were 13, 14, you knew that yeah. they were 15? Yeah. Because it was a big deal. I remember being in like 8th grade, maybe 7th grade. Like At the time, I was like reading Hip Parader and like any like AP like alternative press and they would be on the cover saying the new wave from Australia or, or something big from Australia. And then reading the articles and finding out that they're 15. I was like, Jesus, I could do this. That's like, who was the, that band, that heavier thrash band around like, Oh eight, they were all young. And they couldn't perform on the Jägermeister stage at Ozfest because they weren't 21. So they had to put them on the main stage. Fuck. I have no idea. The, 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 God damn it. I'm not going to Google it. I'm going to pull it. The, the <laughs> tide, the, the dark, the black tide, the black tide. That's the band. Okay. Yeah. I'd never heard of I, them. I, I think they were all like 16 or something and they were just playing this rhythm <laughs> stage. Just playing wild thrash, I think. Just like, I mean, it was like a weight thrash, but still thrash. Yeah. yeah. And they couldn't play the Eggermeister stage because they weren't 21. So they had to put them on the main stage. And it was just, it was unreal. It was an unreal story. And I loved it because at the time I was 17, 16, 17. Right, yeah. like, this is crazy. That's awesome. Uh, the album has ranked number 25 on Double J's list of top 50 Australian albums of the 90s. Mixed down listed the album as among the seven best Australian grunge band albums. How long is that list? Seven? Is that the list? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I I don't know the depth of the Australian grunge albums list. You better get in- educated because that sounds like something <laughs> up your alley. Right. The Amity Affliction member Aaron Stringer said of the album, I was obsessed with Frog Stomp as a 12-year-old boy. I wanted to be Daniel Johns. And I completely relate to that statement right there. I remember yeah, you, had your, you had your shirt on and you were ready to roll. Well, in, I remember in like an icebreaker in class, our teacher asked us like what our ideal hair would be. You know, just it yeah, seemed, hold on. Yeah. Let's reference back to the body issues that we had before. Oh, for and sure. Your teacher is saying, what do you want to look like that you don't have? What a fucking yeah. wild thing. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. So uh, but in that class, I remember saying that I wanted hair like I wanted Daniel John's hair. Like he had this it was like down to his shoulders, blonde, dirty as shit. But I was like, man, I want I wanted hair like that. I mean, other than like George from the casualties hair that I wanted because it was outrageous or like a giant mohawk, which I had that was outrageous or like the Misfits Devil Lock that I had, which was outrageous. <laughs> the only like actual singular person I think I could put 
that I wanted their hair was probably Ollie Sykes when he had his like helmet haircut. Oh yeah. Which I recently saw a vintage Bring Me the Horizon shirt that had like a weird logo on the front and on the back it said um men's men's metal girls haircuts. <laughs> what? It's pretty fucking good. That's a crazy that that's a crazy statement. Like a crazy marketing shirt. Yeah, it, it's probably one that was it was just a tour release. Like that's just one of those like haha funny things. If you recall, during there was a certain time where even if they were the meanest, dirtiest, grungiest band in the world, I don't mean grungy by genre, I mean grungy as humans. Yeah. <laughs> all of their shirts would just be like parodies of like The Office and Super Mario Brothers. Oh, gotcha. And you're just like, why can't I just get a logo? Like, why Why do I have to have Bowser on it? I don't want right. Bowser on my shirt. But, <laughs> but ironically, those are the shirts now that people want the most. So of course, whatever. yeah. Australian Broadcasting Corporation wrote that in 1995, Silverchair provided a thrilling synthesis of rage, confusion, and pain. And as a distillation of teen angst, you couldn't get a purer generational timestamp than Frog Stomp. In December of 2021, so last year, Frog Stomp was listed at number six in Rolling Stone Australia's 200 Greatest Albums of All Time. What was their number one offhand, you know? I have no idea. Okay, I just want to know if they're like ranking things differently over there. I mean, as far as like just Australian or... Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, what's the purpose of having their own? And... I... How many Australian records could you name? Because I don't, I don't know if I could name ten. I mean, if I list off all the King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard records, it's like thirty-seven. It's no surprise to me. ACDC's Back in Black. Is oh, there they are one. Australian. Yep. Then NXS's Kick is number two. So it's it is Australian bands. Okay, never mind. I'm all right. Yeah. I was I've just wondering if they it. were like just adding more Australian into the normal 200 list, right. but it sounds like it's just Australian 200, which I'm, I'm all right with. Well, Savage Garden made number ninety, made number nine. Are they Australian? I, I assume so. If it's on the Australian, the Australian list, Kylie Minogue made number ten. I thought she was British. No, she's Australian. Wow. Savage Garden. Okay, I was I wasn't thinking of Savage Garden. I was thinking of Soundgarden. I don't know. I don't, I don't no. know Savage Garden. I don't think you don't know Savage Garden. I mean, like I know the name, but I don't think I know. Maybe they had a hit. What was their hit? They did. Truly, madly, deeply. Yeah. No. I mean, if I heard it, I might know it, but I do not. Ooh, I want you. I don't know if I need you, but ooh, I die to find out. Hmm. I don't know. Might have missed me. <laughs> might have missed me i mean it came out in like 95 like 97 something like that i think yeah i don't think i was in that kind of pop in 97 yeah that was super poppy god we are pulling songs from way back for me today you're doing a lot of singing i am doing a lot of singing <laughs> that that's all the list i have for silver chair and frog stomp we can get into the billboard hot 100 for march 25th 1995 please because i don't know if i'll know any of these you you might yeah uh, you'll you'll know one for sure maybe two coming in at number five we have Cheryl Crow with Strong Enough I know the artist I don't know yeah. if I know that song I don't know that song either number four we have TLC with Red Light Special you know that one I I love TLC I yeah. I need to, I need to go back and listen to TLC again because there was 
I was I, I was huge into fan mail, and then I went backwards into discography, and it didn't do what I wanted at the time because I was mm. young and didn't know that they were going to be talking about real issues rather than right. just fun pop songs. Right. So I need to revisit all of the TLC. I think I think I'm, I'm gonna have a good listen to it. a full TLC project. I know this. I know the the hits. You're gonna make me bring you fan mail because I love that record so much. Sure. Oh, yeah. It's going on the list. Coming in at number four or at number three, we have TLC with Creep. So three wow, TLC back yeah. back. I'm 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 into that. I yeah. like that. TLC's killing it at this point. This was the record way before fan mail. Oh yeah, fan mail is 2000, 99, 2000, somewhere around there. Yeah, I remember these singles. I remember the videos for them too. I think I own the Kasingle. Do you remember Kasingles? Yeah. I think I have the Creep Kasingle. Coming in at number two, we have Soul For Real with Candy Rain. I've never even heard of Soul For Real. (laughs) I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah, no idea what Soul For Real is. Uh, Never heard Candy Rain, but it's coming in at number two. Soul For Real is a Trinidadian American R&B group from New York, currently living in Atlanta. Oh, okay. They're still active. Oh, really? They're all brothers. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Sherman Daily Rimple, Lamont Daily Rimple, Bry Augustus Daily Rimple, Jace Oliver Daily Rimple. Interesting. I'm glad we got to the bottom of that. Right. Look for me to dive into fucking Soul for Real real heavy. <laughs> Coming in at number one, we have Madonna with Take a Bow. Goddamn Madonna. Always. All over the place. Always on the charts. She yeah. can't be doubted. She's, we can't we can't deny Madonna anymore. Yeah. Even though I don't know any of these records, people were buying them, so people know them. Yeah. That's crazy. Yep. I, I pulled a few other ones that we might know. Coming in at number six, so just shy of the regular top five I give us, Notorious B.I.G. with Big Papa slash Warning. Biggie on the charts. Yeah. Number six. Coming in at 54, Old Dirty Bastard with Brooklyn Zoo. You. That's, that's one for love, me. You love ODB. Big I fan. do. I am a big, big fan. I think the record is on the list. Yeah, you're gonna bring it to me at some point because I do want to revisit it, and I think it. I'll be more open minded if I do it for the show rather than on my own. So, I think so too. Yeah, it's a fun listen. So, so you've told me many times. <laughs> oh, coming in at 64, we have REM with Bang and Blame. Bang and Blame. I don't even know who that is. Oh, I haven't got to that record yet. That's Monster. That's the one with the cat face on it, right? It's some kind of animal. Like it's orange, it's a cat or yeah. like a, a dog or a coyote or something. I don't know. Okay. It's a monster, I guess, maybe. Oh, yeah, that that would make sense, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Coming in at number eighty, we have Blues Traveler with Runaround. Just bandoliers of harmonicas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we have the number one album for the week of March twenty fifth, nineteen ninety five. Bruce Springsteen's greatest hits. The boss. Can't yeah. can't beat them. Can't beat them with those greatest hits. <laughs> I hate greatest hits records. I'm not a fan. They feel like cheating. I'm a fan if it's something like that because I don't, I don't want to listen to most Bruce Springsteen probably. So like, give me a greatest hits and I'll take it. Understood. I still feel like it's cheating, especially if they're I mean, on the charts. For the charts, it does feel like cheating, but at the same time, I guess you know, get that back, Bruce. You know. Right. <laughs> Right. We have albums released March 1995. Coming in on the 7th, we have Warrant with Ultraphobic. Warrant? I, yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with Warrant. That's Cherry Pie, right? Warrant did Cherry Pie? I think so. 
I was never big into eighties hair metal at all. Oh, I had a I had a stint. I had yeah. a stint. And that stint remains with me through one sliver that is winger. I still yeah. <laughs> I know you're I a still guy. love winger. <laughs> I still absolutely love winger. Coming out on the thirteenth, Radiohead's the Benz. Nope, not no familiarity. It is my favorite Radiohead record. But really? it's not the one I'm gonna give you. Yeah, I think you've said that. It's their more straightforward alternative rock record. Okay. I don't want to say grunge because it's not grungy, but it was playing on the same radio stations as Silverchair and Soundgarden and Stone Temple Pilots. Well, when grunge was the popular music, I think everything would have had a grunge tint to it almost because yeah. it, it's, it's how hip hop's the most dominant pop genre right now so that's why you see hip-hop even popping up in country music and shit yeah for sure it's the most popular genre coming out on the 14th we have mad season with above i don't know if you are aware of mad season no no clue so mad season is lane staley the vocalist from alice in chains he did a little side project called mad season i thought he died really early and like didn't have time for side projects he, I believe, oh man, I don't want to give a date on it because I, I can't pull it off the top of my head, but he did this one album with Mad Season and that was it. Okay. Is it just as grungy as Alice in Chains? It is lighter. It's kind of more like a solo album type thing. If solo albums were a thing in the mid 90s with grunge bands. Okay. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> Understood. Yeah. Uh, also on the 14th, we have Goo Goo Dolls with a boy named Goo. This is when they were, as you said, more punky, right? This was their breakout. So this is okay. where they became less punky. Okay, this which is I, that is still a sentence that will never make sense to me. I, I question giving you this record because I have more attachment to it than their earlier stuff. Okay. But this is the one that came out with Name was the big hit. If I heard it, maybe you you would. It's still all over the radio. I think, okay. like shopping shopping market radio. But yeah, it was it was it was huge for them. It was their breakout record. Also on the fourteenth, we have Tupac with "Me Against the World." It's a good one. Is it a good one? It's a good one. You, I mean, I like most Tupac records. There's you almost have to be your own producer sometimes, and you listen to certain Tupac records because you got to just weed out some garbage because there is garbage on a lot of these records. Like, there's some where it's like, what are we doing, Tupac? Why are there 40 <laughs> tracks on this? Oh, man. Like, I'm going to figure out my own track list and then go from there. Right. Gotcha. But I'm I'm a Pac fan. Last album on the 14th, E-40s In A Major Way. Is that the watch? Yeah, that's the watch cover? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, I recently went through a bunch of E-40s discography, and I believe I liked it. Okay. I'm actually going to do a first here, and I'm going to go into my spreadsheets and see if i have it so in a major way uh album i gave it seven and three quarters there you go so it was solid solid. i liked it yeah Yeah. i liked it that's good it was better than his first album in my head well that's good i love e40 i think he has such a he has such a specific voice and sound i'm I'm a big e40 guy good i'm glad i put it on the list (laughs) coming out on the 21st we have death with symbolic yeah i've never listened to a full death album Whoa, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. I might have to add that to the list for you. Yeah, not, because... not that I recall. I'm, I may have visited them, them like through his tracks downloading on like 
you know, Kaza. Sure. But uh, in my full album listening years, which have been many at this point, though, I don't think I've ever visited <laughs> death. Well, they're going on the list, but I don't know which record I want to bring you. It might be Scream Bloody Gore because I'm a big fan of that record. I know I like all their album art. I'm a big fan of that. Album art is fantastic. Yeah. Coming out on the 28th, we have Faith No More with King for a Day, Fool for a Lifetime. Is that the one with the song about beating off? Yeah, I have no idea. I've never listened to a full Faith No More project. But you know that track. I, is, it, is that epic? That's is that epic, what it, yeah. Okay. I didn't know that that was the subject matter of that song, but I know that song. It's at least a rumor that it is, and it's okay. funnier when you listen to it with that in your head. So <laughs> Right. So I, I urge you to go listen to Faith No More's Epic and just think it's about beating off. That that's a that that's a thing that probably won't happen because I don't want that in my head. I have fond memories of that song. It's about pounding off and it's funny. <laughs> uh, last record I have coming out on March twenty eighth, nineteen ninety five. We have Old Dirty Bastards return of to the thirty six chambers, the dirty version. You're your your dude. My dude. <laughs> I love him. It's the one with like his food stamp card on the cover. Yeah. Well, wasn't that like kind of his only record or is yeah. it no? Okay. Yeah. That's yeah. what I thought. All right. Well, Frog Stomp was released March twenty seventh, nineteen ninety five. It has eleven tracks and a runtime of forty four minutes and forty nine seconds. Brand, let's hear your notes on the album. First track, opener. Yep. We have Israel's Son. Yes, we do. And I'm going to have to pepper in things that I've learned with these notes and <laughs> okay. either like temper them or increase some of the virility is not the word I want to use here, but <laughs> the, oh. the, 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 the idea behind some of them. Oh, either way, here we go. Israel's Son. The, the ease in with the distorted baseline gets me in a vibe. And when it gets heavier, I feel like I'm in this record. Like, it opens really well musically. I'm I like, here we go. Opens. Yeah. I'm like, here we go. Because the bass line brings me in, and then the bass line gets heavier. And if you want to get me into a record, play something, and then make that same thing immediately heavier, and it will catch me. <laughs> I don't love the vocals on this, but I'm staying positive. It's only the first track. The vocal stylings feel very grungy, which I'm not a fan of. But again, I'm staying positive. Now, some of that grunginess may be that he's Australian, if I'm being 100% honest yeah. now that I'm thinking about it. Yeah, uh, like some of the words sound different. Yeah, like the way you hear, yeah, like yeah. that sound is the accent, I'm thinking. Yeah. So I anything I say in the vocals, we got to put a grain of salt with it because... I might try to re-listen to this hearing the Australian accent and then give it another go through that. Yeah. I'm still staying positive. The ending when it picks up speed and rips for a little bit helps this track out. Like yeah. I'm 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 like, okay. It, it started off good, lost me with the vocals, but then brought me back in with the speed the sped up ending. I was like, okay, this is a fine track. It's okay. Moving on. Staying positive. So this song, it's the third single from the album. And in January nineteen ninety-six, there was a murder case of two teenagers from McCleary, Washington that claimed that they listened to Israel's son, which contributed to the murders of one of the teen's parents and a younger brother on August 10th, 1995. I mean, they know that there's other groups out there, right? Like right. They didn't, yeah. 
<laughs> there's other things out there that they could have done that with. It didn't need to be this. It's a weird move, I think, yeah. for a killer. Weird track. The defense was rejected, and uh, the jury was convinced that the murder was committed to steal money and belongings and run off to California. To get on a ship to go to Australia to see Frog Stomp. Got it. Yeah. To see, <laughs> yeah. see Silverchair. Understood. It's just, it's just wild that this song was picked out as a reason for somebody to commit murder. At least when you hear like about the Marilyn Manson shit, you're like, okay, I kind of get it. The Marilyn Manson shit. Oh, the, like Columbine, and he was responsible yeah. for it, and he's right. responsible for all. I'm like, eh, I, I guess I can see it. Like, it is a very abrasive image. And by the way, this is not pre- preaching anything, Marilyn Manson. I know there's a lot of accusations, and he's a shit dude. So I'm not here saying he's good. Yeah, but, I have no opinions about Marilyn Manson. I just don't yeah, like his it, music. Yeah, I wanted to bring you a record, but until the like proceedings go through with all those accusations i can't do it because I, I can't talk about him and a, an album that i really love knowing that he may have been a monster and yeah. sounds like he's a monster so uh, if it's proven false i don't know but when whenever you are going through that and you're like you know who my friend is now kanye west it just doesn't feel like <laughs> it doesn't yeah. feel like you're going in the right direction right second track tomorrow the vocal styling in this feel more like generic 90s rock. Okay. And like alt rock to me. Uh, that's what it was. It, it, it's hard for me to get over the hump a little bit. Like I just I just don't get down with those lyrics. It yeah. just doesn't. Like the way that they're saying, the tone of them, it just doesn't do much for me. The chorus definitely has the drawn out syllable grunge vocal, mm-hmm. which I don't like. I don't like it. I mean, and it's not even just the grunge vocal. When you're drawing out syllables most of the time, and I guess we can mark me as a hypocrite right here because Chino could take an entire track (laughs) to sing one fucking verse. Yeah. But most of the time, when I hear, like, even in that Angels and Airwaves, how he was drawing out syllables, I just don't like it. It just, it takes too long to get to what's happening. Like, let's go. Sure. So I have to focus on something else, and I focus on the music. I like the music of this one. Okay. Uh, it feels like it gets lost in itself a little later. Like, it just keeps repeating the parts that I don't really enjoy much. It just gets okay. kind of tripped up. I'm not stoked on it completely, and it, it I feel like it's too long, but it's shorter <laughs> than the opener, so it's weird. Yeah. Uh, this was actually the first single. So this is okay. the first I heard of it, of, of okay. the band, and I loved it. And then... Oh, I can, I can hear everything that you would love of this, and... Even trying to put myself in that mindset uh, in the 90s like that, I kind of get it because there's sounds on here that I hear that exist a lot now, but they probably did not exist back then. Right. This song uh, is about throwing things in the faces of the rich. He wrote this song while watching a show about a homeless guy taking a very rich man through like the ghetto and showing him like a hotel where all these homeless people stay. And the line, like, wait till tomorrow, like, calling him a fat boy. He had to stay in that hotel for a night, the the rich guy, with all the homeless people. And the rich guy wanted to leave. And the homeless guy was like, no, you have to wait till tomorrow. 15. It's yeah. it's wild to me that all this is by 15. If yeah. I knew they were 15 going into this, my mm-hmm. notes would probably be a lot different. 
Yeah. Because I listening to this, it's it sounds like a well seasoned traveled band. It sounds like they've been playing these songs for ten years. It, right. They're they're outrageously good for fifteen year olds. It's uh, outrageously it, good for an opening album. Yeah. In the notes that I went over when I was researching, Daniel Johns said that they recorded the demo for tomorrow and three other songs at like some super cheap studio for 75 bucks. And they were only in there for an hour. And then that demo was the one that they won that radio contest with. That's wild, right? Yeah, it's absolutely wild. Yeah. So cool. Next up we have fault line. Yep. I really like the harmonized, like never see the boy parts. I'm a, I, I like mm-hmm. it a lot. Yeah, it sounds like something that I can't place. I don't know what it is. And, okay, but but the harmonizing works great for me. But it is then punctuated by an oh yeah. <laughs> and if there's ever a sound that I am not down with, it is an oh yeah like yeah. that. Right, understood. And, and like that in the grunge voice takes it like two steps back for me. So like the harmonizing was a step forward and then that grunge just two steps back. Gotcha. And then it commits the cardinal sin oh, no. to me. The okay. cardinal sin. I, I it's, it's a very pedantic thing for me. But when I hear, yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah, I can't <laughs> handle it. I can't handle it. It bothers me. It makes my skin crawl when I hear, yeah, yeah, no, no. I just it's just it's just nonsense. It's just gobbledygook. It doesn't matter, but it bothers my skin. Like I okay. want to itch I want to itch my veins out when I hear yeah, yeah, no, no, no. It cardinal sin to me. Gotcha. Uh, it picks up at the end, rips a bit that I enjoyed. So like the last like minute of this track is great. Well that's good. The this song is actually so they grew up in Newcastle, Australia, which is built on a fault line. So Newcastle gets like a lot of earthquakes every year during a particularly destructive one. A young boy was trapped in a collapsing building and tragically killed. The young boy was a friend of Daniel John's prompting, prompting him to write the song. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. (laughs) It's just, Oh man, it's rough. Next up. Pure massacre. Intro is good. Okay. Uh, I like the riff. I like the chorus. The vocals aren't over the top. They seem a little bit more grounded, and I get down on it. Okay. Well, then the second time comes around. So, like, after the chorus, the second verse, and he gets more into it. And it, yeah, it, Okay, this is where I'm at with these kind of vocals. If you start out doing a certain type of vocal, yep. and then all you do is, like, crank up the intensity on them a little bit. Uh-huh. I think of like a dad in the 1950s in his den, like scolding his kids. And it just, it bothers me. I'm just like, this is not something I'm here for. Like, why are we, why do you have to act like that? It's unnecessary. You don't need to yell. You like, and it's not, it's not even yelling. It's shouting. Like you're just shouting. I'll take screaming. I'll take growling. I'll take whining. But for some reason a 1950s, leave it to beaver dad in his den, shouting at his kids, thinking he's hard gets to me and that's that's what when he cranks up the intensity of the vocals reminds me of gotcha. and it reminds me of like the the general like five finger death punch vocal like where oh, it's like okay that. it's Come like you're now. just you're just shouting at your kids that's all you're doing you're just shouting at your kids in the car that's all that's all i hear this it's it's just kind of a rock song basically mm-hmm. um and then the title 
the the song title having like massacre in it kind of works and gets me through it enough. I don't know why. I was like, okay, it's a little darker. I'll, I'll take it. Whatever. Um, it, it's it's an okay song. It's not a bad track. This was the second single off the album. Okay. And according to interviews with Daniel Johns, the song is inspired by the Bosnian War. He said it's pretty stupid war like that. So it seemed the right thing to write a song about rather than about the usual girls or whatever. It took about a half an hour. It came straight to my head. Okay. Now I'm thinking all three of these dudes are just 15 year old Tom DeLong's. <laughs> that was a pretentious ass fucking comment. Yeah. But whatever. You know, they, they wrote this, they did it. It came out and succeeded. I can't say anything to harm that. Yeah. But that, that, you're talking like that at 15. Hmm, let's seize off the throttle a little bit here, bud. <laughs> but I, I, as we've talked about before, I was writing up pamphlets and handing them out about the what was it the erosion of conformity or something and i'm fucking printing them out handing them out yeah i was pretentious dickhead too so pretentious asshole you have to give them you have to give them a little bit of leeway because we were that same way i give them all the leeway for this whole record (laughs) that they're 15 that they're australian they have all the leeway no matter what i say still particularly grain of salt because i didn't know any of that and that kind of knocks me down a couple pegs every time I say something. <laughs> so next track, we have Shade. Yep. This one reminds me a lot of Incubus. Okay. I hear a lot of Incubus sounds with the, the, the kind of the tingling guitars and the, sure. the lighter the lighter vocals. It's much slower and laid back. The vocals yeah. are almost pleasing here. There's only a few grungy, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yous. There's only a few of those. <laughs> um but then the end does become Grunge City for me, and I, I kind of lose the interest in the track. I like chunks of all these tracks, but mm-hmm. I also dislike chunks of all these tracks. Gotcha. So it's almost like a, a net zero at the end of some of them, where it's like, <laughs> where it's like, that was a song. Yeah, it sure was. It's 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 not a I don't like this song, and it's not a I like the song. It's just a it it hit, it made me go both ways. So I'm just back in the middle of the seesaw. Right. Gotcha. This was the uh, final single off the record. Okay. I guess, yeah, I could see all those being singles so far. I was trying to, because I, I tried to pull out what a single would be, and while I was listening, there's only one that I thought was a single, and we haven't got that yet. Oh, okay. There are no more singles off the record. Yeah, I'm aware yeah. of that now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next up, Leave Me Out. Leave Me Out. Some of these tracks ride the line of sounding like just a classic rock song. Like some okay. of the riffs sound like a classic rock but that could be that they worked with that producer that did a lot of classic rock yeah the vocals don't match that for me like it starts out sounding like a classic rock song and then the vocals are not classic rock vocals the oh yeahs do a lot of heavy lifting on this record like if you're into oh yeahs this record is for you because it does a lot of heavy lifting mid 90s the song has oh 100 percent yeah. The song has a heavier riff, and the vocals the the, the, voc- the vocals go a little heavier down a road that I don't like the houses on. So, like, I'm traveling in this neighborhood, and I head down this street, and I don't like these houses. I just rather turn around and go back. And, sure. But that's where it's going. That's where it's taking me. That's where the GPS is directing me. So I'm driving by, but I don't like any of these houses. Understood. Next up, we have Suicidal Dream. Big Incubus vibes at the beginning. This song is a stone cold classic. This mm. song is fantastic. This song to me is 90s gold. Put it on all the 90s compilation albums, put it on the 90s like 
time life hits thing that they put together buzz ballads i don't give a shit put on all of them this song is fantastic it's great through and through i have no problems with this track now that's what i call musics uh this wouldn't make well now that's what i call 90s this would make (laughs) gotcha (laughs) so you keep mentioning incubus i had to look it up but their first record came out in 95 as well okay i guess i have to say this reminds me of the incubus i like because i don't like all of incubus I don't I, know anything before Make Yourself, which was not in 99. Well, see, my favorite Incubus record is Light Grenades. That's 2006. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what okay. I mean. Like, I've listened to other Incubus. I don't necessarily like other Incubus, but I've listened to it. I like the Crow, Le- Crow Left of the Murder record. I love that a little record. bit. I love like it a little record. bit. I can't, I can't, like, fully endorse it, but I like it. So next up, we have Madman. Yep. This is a thrasher. I love this track. I was worried I about need, you not liking this track because it's an instrumental. I need more of this track. I need more of this track. It's excellent. It's a ripping good time. I'm 100% on board with this track. This song is actually on their, like, the best of volume one It record. should be. It deserves to be. It has lyrics. Hmm. There's I might vocals. Be out. Yeah. I might be out at that point. There, there's <laughs> vocals for it, and... Like it's it's very like it's like two verses, but they're hardly even verses. I love this version. Yeah. Huge fan. I like at the end he's just like madman. Yeah, that's all I needed. That's it. Yeah. That's all you needed. That's all the vocals you needed on it. I'm good yeah. with that. Next up we have Undecided. Yeah. Riff opens great. Honestly sounds like a Deftones riff. Like I could hear this okay. on a Deftones record. Sure. Um, the vocals are not the Deftones. <laughs> They're not. Um, I don't mind this track. It's not as over the top. He almost gets over the top at times, but then he reins it back in. Also, a 15-year-old with this voice is wild. Mm-hmm. Because this, it sounds like a full-grown man. It's. Yeah. I mean, I guess, again, I've talked, I've looked the exact same way and kind of sounded the exact same way since <laughs> I was 13. So sure. it makes sense. But just to think of it now, where like a 15-year-old was singing this, it. I have to give him more credit vocal-wise because to be able to do that at 15, more credit where credit's due. Like, yeah. good, good work. That's It's insane. Even though it's not for me, it's unbelievably talented. Sure. Uh, but this is a decent track. I had no problem with Undecided. Okay, good. Next up, Cicada. Yep. This feels like a mix of just a generic rock and classic rock. Not really my vibe. Musically, I like it, much like I like most of this album musically. Okay. But 85, I, I, if, I, if I sat down to the math, mm-hmm. 85 to 87% of the vocals I do not really like. Gotcha. Whether it be the sound, the elongation of syllables, the, 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 the stylings that may or may not be an accent, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but probably about 85 to 87% of the vocals I just like. But musically, I really like this. And the fact that there's only three guys and it sounds so full is, yeah. is impressive as well. So then we have the closer, find a way. This is why you like the Foo Fighters. Because <laughs> this this could be a Foo Fighters song. It just 100%. Straight through, front to back. I like this one. I yeah. like this track. But it could be a Foo Fighters song, without gotcha. a doubt. It's insane. I, when when I, I heard this, I said, this is the Foo Fighters. This is why Scott likes the Foo Fighters. <laughs> I love the transition between Cicada and Find A Way. That little studio, like it could have been an outtake where I don't know who was playing drums, like just messing around on the drums. And the laughter. Yeah. 
And they're um, like, oh, let's get back to it. And they yeah, all it didn't work. It, it did not work for me. It did not work that. for me. I was a big fan of that. If it would, if that would have been at the end of the last track, I think I would have been okay with it. At the end of Find a Way, just just like the studio part where like the giggle and laugh. If that would have ended the record, I'd have been okay. But for some reason, with another track to go, it took it like changed up the energy for me. Okay. But I also wasn't feeling the energy that most people who listen to this record for enjoyment feel. So maybe it does help if you're enjoying it to that point. But it gotcha. did not help my energy. Okay. Well, I love this record. Yeah. I'm a big fan. Do top three. All right. My number one track yep. is Madman. Okay. My number two track is Madman. Oh, wow. Okay. And my number three track is Madman. Uh, I put that down as a joke. Yeah. It, it's 100% my favorite track on the record. But if I had to go with two and three, Suicidal, Dr- Suicidal Dreams probably two. Mm-hmm. Mm, find a way. I'll throw find a way at the three hole. We both had the same number three. Both have find a way as number yep. three. Yep. Find okay. a way. What's your number two? Fantastic. Uh, my number two is Tomorrow. Okay. The first song of theirs I heard, my gateway into Silverchair. And at the time, I loved this music. Everything about it. At, at the time? I still do. I mean, like, coming out. Okay. Like, when okay. it was coming out, it was, you know, grunge was new. Yeah. And it was amazing, and it changed up so much in the music industry. And this was a group of 15-year-old dudes just doing it and sounding amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what uh, was your number one? Shade. Shade okay. has always been like my favorite Silverchair song. It makes me really wonder if you'd like more Incubus then. I've listened to Incubus from Make Yourself On. Oh, everything. Yeah, I haven't listened to Fungus Among Us or Science, but I've yeah I've listened to everything after that. Well, those two, if because I have listened to most of their discography, those two are my least favorite. Mm. So you you might like those. If, if I I don't know, it's it's all how you feel about his vocals though too. Like that's that's the I, main thing. Like, yeah, if, I love if you like his vocals, tone of his voice. Yeah, I might. I don't know. Maybe I'll go check him out then. If you're saying that it might be something similar, um, at least sonically. Like okay. vocal wise, no. Like there's right. not, there's no through line between Incubus and Silverchair vocally. Sure. Silverchair's Frog Stomp, Throne, Own, Phone, or Groan. I think this is a good record. Yeah. I think it's a better record knowing that they are 15 years old, knowing that they are Australian, which <laughs> changes it. I need to re listen to it. And not just because I'm going to re listen to it. But I do think it's a good record. Knowing how much it meant to you helped me with this yeah. record a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm very glad you didn't bring this to me early in the show. Like yeah. second, third episode, it would have been rough. It would have been rough for me. Yeah. I'm also glad that you brought it to me, like not even in the middle. Like I'm glad this is where it hit because I'm at a point now with the show where I can almost figure out how I need to listen to records to enjoy them. Sure, yeah. This record how I said that it was taking me down a, a road where I didn't like the the houses. Yeah. If I'm in the passenger seat and I don't have control of that, I, I can deal with it. If I'm in the driver's seat, I, I will turn around. <laughs> so I imagined myself as a passenger with this record the whole time. I did not dislike this record until I started to be like, okay, let's dive into this thing. Okay. The more I, the more I got into it, the more I had to focus on the vocals. The more I dislike the vocals and the music works very well together. I like the music a lot. It is a it's it's a it's a heavy phone, especially because okay. I'm going to re-listen to this. So it's definitely yeah. a phone. 
It is a possible own. I, I can't okay. put it in an own category because I'm not going to go out searching for this thing. Sure. But it's a possible own, but it's a definite phone. So I will I will revisit some of these tracks and I'm re-listening it. Re-listening thinking about the Australian accents is going to yeah. be very interesting to me. Did you listen while reading to the reading the lyrics to certain songs? Okay. I did it for a few and then when I could when I was reading through and listening without the lyrics and hearing him sing things and draw syllables out when you're reading the lyrics you f- hear you see that a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. So I I stopped after a bit and was like I'm okay. Okay. I don't need to. I don't need to know the meaning of all these tracks to enjoy what this record's bringing me. I, I can just enjoy it sonically for what it is. Okay. I was just curious. But, but I, I, in in the mood I was in, I was in a great mood when I asked for this record. <laughs> yeah. I I listened to it the first time. That mood was still there. <laughs> Second time it started to go down. Third time it started to go down. Fourth time I was like. I was like, no, I got, I got to turn this back around. So then, like the fifth time I listened, it was better. Sixth time I listened, it was better. Seventh time is when I dove in listening with the lyrics. I was like, no, 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 let's turn this car around. Then I became a passenger, and I enjoy this record. It's not a bad record. It's a very good record. It's a very good debut record. It's an extremely good debut record from fifteen year olds. It's right. wild. Yeah, knowing knowing that information puts this in a different light to me. For sure. Yeah, uh, as I said earlier in this episode, I can see where the record has gotten a little dated because on my like seventh listen throughout the week, I was like, okay, <laughs> like I love it. I love the record, but maybe I don't need it multiple times every single day for an entire week. I actually had the idea of, well, if I just listen to Madman before I listen to every track. <laughs> and I did that for like half a run through. And then I was like, this might be too much Madman." Yeah. Yeah. Like it wasn't helping at a certain point. Like it helped a couple tracks. And I was like, I think we can ease off this. Yeah, I think I got sure. this thing. We're all right. <laughs> I got this thing figured out. Right. Well, you weren't just listening to silver chair frog stomp this week. What was your record of the week this week? My record of the week is I actually, just randomly this week I was just driving and I've been listening to a lot of hip hop in like just in my car. Like I haven't listened to like a heavy record in my car in a while. Yeah. And I just thought I was like, what's, what's heavy that I can listen to? And I just started scrolling around. I mean, other than a case of strain a week ago, but I was just <laughs> <say> warm one. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what, what do I want to listen to right now that I haven't listened to in a while? And I pulled up the Chelsea grin record desolation of Eden. Oh, okay. And that thing is a beater. And I fucking love it. So Chelsea Grin's Desolation of Eden is my record of the week for okay. this week. And it is, this record is so heavy that when they opened for, because I saw them perform this record opening for Acacia Strain on the Wormwood tour. Oh, wow. This record is so heavy that it wasn't that big of a transition to Wormwood from it. Oh, wow. Okay. It's it's unreal. And I, I think I sent you a clip of some noodling that you said it was, but I get yeah. down. I get down heavy with this record. <laughs> yeah. So what was your record of the week? Uh, my record of the week is also what we're going with the older one. Kind of one we talked about last week. I'm picking. Whoa, there it is. <laughs> the Acacia Strains Grave Bloom. Wow. Uh, and, you've, and yeah, it's it is dark. Yeah, it's this is. This is what I like. Like this is so the violence and hate 
towards yeah. singular people isn't there. This is violence and hate towards himself. Yeah. Like, this is what I'm here for. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it is dark, man. Like yeah. I told you how dark it was. It's yeah. it's it's a rough listen for me. Yeah, uh that's my throne, Acacia Strain record. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. But that, that, but it is it's something, man. Like so, it, it's an it's a musical accomplishment, but it is yeah. dark. When I I wonder if you don't like it as much because it's super doomy too. It is doomy, but yeah. The doominess doesn't even. Oh man, you need to listen to that wild, like doom black metal record they put out. Oh, what was that called? It comes in waves. Okay, and it's it's there are tracks on the like the track list, but it's one track. It's one track, like yeah, the whole like, record is just one long. Yeah, like there are they are split up, but it's one track because the the track list spells out our only sin was giving them names. Oh okay, and it is that that thing's wild. But Grave Bloom for me, it's it's just so dark. It is it's so depressing. Yeah, and that's is. what it's supposed to be. That's what yeah. it's supposed to be. But it was just every time I listen to it, it it doesn't hit me in a way that I want it to. Like I use yeah. a case of strain as like a almost a vent to get things out, and Grave Bloom forces things back in. Oh yeah, and that's that's what I love about it. It's yeah. So yeah, it's you love being miserable. Apparently, everybody I know just loves being miserable. <laughs> Pushing everything inward for me is getting all of that out, <laughs> which is can't be healthy. It can't yeah. be healthy. I'm sure it's not. It's it's not the way I should be dealing with things ever. Yeah. Uh, but it works for me. But yeah, I love that record it's so much so that I bought it and I'm got fucking a, stoked. Got That's a super awesome. good deal on it, dude. It was like yeah, eight, I eighteen bucks. Yeah, I think it's because that one, uh, Comowich was huge. Comowich did big numbers like for them sales wise, and yeah. then Grave Bloom kind of dropped, and I think that's why they probably printed up vinyl and they didn't sell the way they wanted them to. Gotcha. And now you can actually probably hear where they went from Comowich into Grave Bloom into Slow Decay. Like you could probably hear how it transitioned into yeah, that now. Because I remember when Slow Decay came out, I actually liked it too. But I didn't pay much attention to the vocals or lyrics on Slow yeah. Decay. I need to go back and check it out. And It Comes in Waves was a surprise album. Like, they put Slow Decay and It Comes in Waves out at the same time. Oh, okay. Like, It Comes in Waves came out a week before or a week after Slow Decay and on a different oh, wow, really? record label, I think. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. So, all, all this up now is I got to tell you what we're listening to next week. Yeah. What are we listening to? Well, much like you gave me an option last week. Oh. I'm going to give you three categories, and you can choose here. Gotcha. Do you want new metal, hip hop, or I don't even know what to call this. <laughs> um, let's call this one. Let's just say classic rock. Oh wow! So new metal, metal hip hop, or classic rock. rock? You choose, and that's the record you'll get. Let's go with hip hop this week. I feel like we haven't had a hip hop record in a little bit. Yeah, well, good. I'm glad you chose it because now I don't have to give it to you and take the blame for how long it is. Oh, so, no. <laughs> you chose it. So this week we're actually listening to Rick Ross's debut album, Port oh. of Miami. Okay. It came, it came out in 06 and 
you picked it, so you can't blame me. It is 77 <laughs> minutes and 49 Holy seconds. Shit, what? It's 77 minutes long. It's 19, oh, 19 tracks, 77 minutes wow. long. So I can't get blamed. You picked it, right? Sure. So I can't be blamed for the for the lag. Well, but, I have never listened to a Rick Ross project, and I know you're a huge fan. So, big fan. Yeah, I yeah. just need you to also recognize, I, I'm going to say it again, 2006 it came out. Oh, yeah. So, like, if there are certain sounds, maybe a couple words that we don't use anymore, potentially. I yep. can't remember offhand. That'll, that, that's why. 2006 was a different time. Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Wasn't great. We still should have been using these things. And no. I'm not positive, but... There, there might be some sounds, some themes that are like, this is this is iffy, but 06. Gotcha. Well, I'm stoked. We, yeah, we haven't done a hip hop record in a long time. I'm looking back. We haven't. Yeah. And I am excited to listen to Rick Ross all goddamn week. That's for sure. <laughs> so next week, Rick Ross's Port of Miami. Yep. This week, it was Silverchair's Frog Stomp, which got a phone from me, which I'm, I'm sure I'm you happy weren't that. expecting. I wasn't. I was expecting a groan for sure. Uh, I would say the first three run-throughs, it was a phone. The next three, it was a groan. Gotcha. And then, I, like I said, I found my footing with it. With this show, I can, like I said, I figured out how to listen to records now where I can enjoy them no matter what it is. And I'm more of a minded to things, too. And I, you know sure. what I mean? So, yeah. And I'm, I'm very appreciative of you bringing it. And I'm, most of the time I was listening to this, I was thinking of your, how you said they had different genres. I want another Silverchair record now. Like, okay. I want to hear. I want to hear what else they sound like. Yeah. Because uh, we'll get there. I'll put, if I'll nothing put the else, records on the list. Yeah. If nothing else, much like St. Anger, this was, it, it was interesting. It was interesting. I was very interested in it. Please do not equate Frog Stomp and St. Anger ever. <laughs> I mean, I, I am just at a, at a mission to bring up St. Anger in every episode. Oh, so. God. I could have brought it up with this record how some of the drums sounded like the St. Anger snare. They like were, there was a couple not. there were a couple snaps in there where they did. No. You just don't notice it because the guitars aren't down-tuned. If the guitars were down-tuned, you would notice it. But the guitars are not down-tuned, so you do not notice it. No, you're wrong. Same snare. Yeah, um, not at all. <laughs> <same. laughs> no, it's not. So... <laughs> Uh, follow us on Twitter at AOLPod. Send us an email at areyoulisting.pod at gmail.com. Join the Facebook group. Link is in the show notes. Uh, go listen to St. Anger. It's great. Don't. It's a piece of shit. Um, okay. It's not great. It's interesting, though. It's not even that. It's a waste of time. Other, other than that, Scott, you got anything? <laughs> no, I don't. All right, Scott, thank you for the episode. Thank you for the friendship. Thank you. And listeners, thank you for listening. Of course. St. Anger Snare. Nope. Are you listening? Are you listening? Same snare. Nope. Please do not equate Frog Stomp and St. Anger ever. Waited all my life. Uh, waited all my life. I don't mean grungy by genre. I mean grungy as humans. Is that the one with the song about beating off? You love being miserable. Apparently, everybody I know just loves being miserable. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 yeah!